God cares about what you do with your life. Again, God cares what you do with this one holy, precious life you've been given. God cares how you live your life when you leave here, how you live from Monday to Saturday. Jesus today tells a parable that reveals how much God cares about how we actually live our lives outside of the sanctuary. For Jesus is speaking to the chief priests and the elders. These are the people that were super churchy, right? The churchiest of churchy. They got, one of them even got to be in the Holy of Holies. And they did all the right rituals and they knew the right prayers and they knew the right holy days. But Jesus questions whether their heart is translating into actions, whether their piety and worship is living itself out in how they live their lives. And so he tells them this rather biting parable. And he says, look, you know, a father had two sons, and one of them said yes, but then didn't go and do it. And he's looking right at these religious leaders when he says it. And the conviction, what he's saying to them is, you are talking the talk, you're not walking the walk. You're doing the churchy stuff, but you're not, actually, you're not actually going along with what God's will in your life actually is. And it's a humbling message for all of us to consider the ways in which do our actions, the way that we live our lives, Monday through Saturday, outside of these walls, do they line up with what we confess here? Is our walking of the walk the same as our talking of the talk? Again, it's an indicting and challenging parable. So what then should I do as a pastor? Maybe I should encourage you, exhort you a little bit more to, to live a little bit better, to carry it forward this week, to do a bit better of a job of following Jesus, of obeying the will of God in your life. And perhaps I should. Perhaps I've not done my job enough to exhort you. But uh, this week... As I encountered a number of people, I was reminded of just how hard it is to be a human. Again, I was reminded of just how hard it is to actually be, to be a human. One of the people that I, I met this week, um, they have two aging parents, and their aging parents really shouldn't be living alone anymore. But every time they try to bring it up, their, their parents get really mad. And in fact, the, the mother even grows paranoid and begins to accuse this person of wanting to steal their money. What does it mean at that point to do the will of God? How does this person find a way forward as a disciple? Another person I spoke to this week has a, has a child that, that abuses alcohol. Long-time struggle. But at least there's no police involved, so... Have they done enough? What does this look like then to be a disciple of Jesus in that case? What is the way forward? What does the will of God look like in that kind of situation? Another person I, I spoke with this week, well, they're, they're on the, the board of a company, and the company's not doing well, and uh, they know a lot of the employees of the company. How do they move ahead? What's the way forward? What does it mean to do the will of God, what does it mean to be obedient in these times? I think again and again we discover in life, if we're actually living life, it, it can be pretty tough some weeks just to be a human. 
And I think in those times, we, we really longed for, for real wisdom. Real wisdom as to how to move ahead. And so sometimes I think we, we turn to Scripture, to this ancient fountain of wisdom. And so often when we, we turn to Scripture, I think we're, we're hoping for almost like a nice little sign that would either be like a traffic light, like we'd open it up and it would be like, red light, do not go here. Yellow light, slow down. Green light, full speed ahead. And sometimes it is, it is that straightforward. I was in an online group this week, and one of the people anonymously posted that, that in their marriage, they're, they're feeling a real, a real temptation to break their marriage. And, and they were asking for prayers in the group, right? This person is sitting at the red light. They know it's a red light, and they're, they're praying for strength that they take their foot off the gas pedal. So there are times in life when the word of the Lord, when the laws of the Bible, when the wisdom of the ancients can simply be applied to our life. And it, it just kind of, it's a one-to-one -one forward. But I find in my life it's not that simple most of the time. Most of the time it's, it's, it's more complicated than that to be a human, to, to be a disciple. You know, it's sort of like I know the way that I want to go, but inevitably that road is blocked. Or there's too much traffic. And, and the way that I thought that I was going to handle a situation, suddenly it's not, it, it's, it's not working. And I find myself on back roads that don't have a lot of sort of clear signals as to what God wants me to do. Okay, so six years ago, September, we welcomed a golden retriever to our family, Miri. Very friendly dog, really a, a very, very friendly golden retriever. And uh, I was the holdout in the family. I said, we're not getting a dog. There were three votes. I was one, you do the math in a family, I lost, right? So eventually we got a dog and I was on board. But I said, Emily, we're going to get a dog, but I'm telling you, we're not going to be those bougie people that get surgery for their dogs. We're not going to do that because that's wasteful. You know where the story's going, right? Okay. <laughs> so uh, this week it turns out that our dog has a torn ligament in, in their back leg. And so they're, she's limping and she can't walk with us. And it's really kind of humbling, and we're like, okay, what should we do? And then we find out the price of the surgery, and I got very nervous about that. And we're trying to figure it out. And, you know, okay, I, I can't, like, take the Bible off the shelf and open to the fourth chapter of the book of Canis, verse 2 or something, to, like, figure this out. I mean, again, there are principles. There are principles about generosity and stewardship and creation care, concern for the poor. I mean, there, there's all of this stuff, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean I can just sort of shake it out. And I, and I find myself, again, off the road. I don't see the clear sort of moral sort of guidelines, the street signs. And so I, I find myself, though, wanting to talk to somebody. I find myself needing counsel. I find myself wanting wisdom. But what I, what I need is, is more than just teachings, I, I need a teacher. Again, more than teachings, I, I need a teacher. I need a guide. I need somebody who is, who is wisdom himself. I need Jesus Christ for all of these decisions in life. Jesus today is teaching in the temple. And for much of the Gospels, Jesus is teaching. And in fact, his disciples, they, they first and foremost call him teacher this is their natural title for him, as teacher. And he's the one who shows them the, the way of, of life. And, and I want to offer to you that as you've come here 
Today, you're, you're not just coming to hear about ancient teachings and that may or may not be relevant for our lives today, but we've come here today to encounter the teacher. And whether it's confessing our sins or at the communion rail or just pondering or taking a breath or in conversation or as our mind wanders during the sermon, what we're doing there is we're encountering Jesus and we're laying before Jesus the week past and the, the week ahead. And we're saying, Lord, this is the intersections that are in my life. This is the stuff that's weighing me down. This is the stuff that I'm not quite sure about. And indeed, humbly too, these are the ways this last week that I, I just went in the wrong direction. Show me your way. Help me reroute my life so that I might follow your path, your path of wisdom, your path of servanthood, your path of the cross, your path of the empty tomb. Now, for some of you, if even like me, you, you hear the word teacher, and admittedly there is a little bit of, of stress with that word. This week uh, and last week, I went to the middle and high school back-to-school nights for parents. And as I sat there in class after class, and the teachers talked about all the tests and quizzes they were going to give the students, I felt my back get tight. I was like, oh, man. Because I remember I wanted to do well in all of those tests and all of those quizzes and all those assignments. And I, I got a little bit anxious about, about all of these teachers. And I admit that sometimes even middle school teachers, like even as an adult, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of scared. So in some ways, when that is our image of a teacher, we quickly want to move away from teacher and move to Jesus as Savior, right? We just want to say, okay, fine, Jesus, you, you are the teacher that already graded the tests, and you gave us out of great love all A's. Thank you, right? We want to move right from teacher to Savior. And that's okay. Always Jesus is Savior. But I would, in, I would invite you to, to linger a little bit with Jesus as, as a teacher, not only because his words are the words of life, but a good teacher is one who's passionate about his subject, right? Really loves his or her subject. The kind that, um, you know, like when they're teaching about the Pythagorean theorem, suddenly it's just like heavens have opened, right? Or like they're explaining Walt Whitman to you and their face is just a glow. And Jesus is the one who's passionate about life who's passionate about God, and we, we want to be around that passion, that sort of infectious sort of generosity and servanthood, to linger in that and to be with Jesus there. But, but also the, the way in, in which when, when Jesus then goes, goes a little bit, little bit further than that, because Jesus isn't just a good teacher, Jesus is a great teacher. And what makes a great teacher isn't just that they're passionate about their subject, but they're passionate about their students. Okay? The great teacher is the one who doesn't just care about the content, but really cares about you as a student. And you probably remember the great teachers in your life, the ones who you knew that when, when they were in the classroom, it was going to be okay, and that, and that they took the time to kind of work with you and really help you as a person. And Jesus is a great teacher. Jesus is a great teacher because he's one whose passion is you. Again, Jesus' main passion is you and the life that you're living and the life that we live together. And even the greatest teachers, though, the greatest teachers, though, encounter challenges where they just can't get to a student. And they, they hoped and they wished and they prayed they could kind of get to that student. But the, the year ended or the student's heart was too hard. 
But Jesus is not just any old teacher, even the great teacher, but Jesus, again, is savior and teacher at the same time. And so Jesus can, can take us as, as students. And even in the hardest of hearts, when we've gone the most incorrect of directions, or even when we have the biggest burdens, Jesus finds a way then to take those burdens into him or herself. He skipped the class on boundary training. And he just takes those burdens on himself. And finally they kill him. But then, of course, he, he rises again. And so our, our whole life is, is one of, of returning to the teacher, the great teacher, Jesus, and processing our life with him. And as he comes to us and he, and he shows us, no, that wasn't the right path. And he reroutes and reroutes and reroutes us in the way of servanthood, in the way of the cross, in the way of the empty tomb. So that finally one day when we truly see Jesus face to face, at that point, like like Mary Magdalene, when she greets Jesus at the tomb, when she sees her risen Lord, she says, my teacher, my teacher. And that when we greet Jesus, we can meet this familiar face who, who guided us throughout our lives and who, of course, then saved us from ourselves so that we then can greet him and say, my Lord, my Savior, and my teacher. Amen.